Hello, I am Zelda Volkov and you are listening to the Oh My God podcast. This is a space where honest conversation and raw interaction takes place. In these 25 minutes, I interview badass trailblazers and industry leaders about the things that they had to overcome to achieve success. The challenges that they faced as human beings first and as industry leaders second, leaving you with actionable techniques and takeaways to implement into your life immediately, taking you from where you are right now to where you want to go. This week's guest is Sarah Geeg. You may know Sarah from her super popular Instagram account, Hasidic Hipster Girl, where she talks honestly and openly about her life as an Orthodox woman. She's an Instagrammer, a fashion icon, a deep thinker, a new podcaster, and even a comedian. We hope you enjoy this episode and that you'll check out Sarah's podcast, The Daily Study Podcast, once you're done listening to this episode. Now, over to Zelda. Thank you so much for joining the Oh My God podcast. It's such a privilege and an honor to have you here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's such an honor. I feel like we've been friends for quite a while now, and we always have these epic conversation. I know. It's finally happening. We're it's doing time to record it. Yeah. yeah. It's time to record it. Sarah, tell me what you, uh, what do you do for the listeners that don't know? And what's your message? What's your overall purpose on this planet? Hi guys, my name is Sarah. I am creator at Hasidic Hipster Girl on Instagram. Uh, It's an Instagram page where I share my struggles and the beauty um, that I find within Judaism, Orthodox Judaism specifically. I have definitely found Judaism for myself a little bit later on in life. Even though I grew up religious, I didn't really grow up choosing it and living it. So now that I decided, it's a conscious choice that I decide to do. I wake up and I pray every day and I really include uh, Jewish learning in my everyday life. On Instagram, I share very controversial Jewish topics. For example, if Orthodox Judaism doesn't allow a gay marriage, how do we do that in today's society? That's just like a general example, but a personal example that I'm currently facing right now is two things. Um, hair covering. So I am married and a married woman needs to cover her hair. Since day one of my marriage, it has been the hardest commandment, the hardest mitzvah to keep. I feel like it is very sexualizing and objectifying. Wearing a wig for me, I understand it's beautiful. Well, let me go back. Wearing a scarf is completely feels inhumane for me. I will not wear a scarf outside. Wearing a baseball cap makes me feel probably the best out of the scarf, the wig, and the baseball cap. What about the scarf makes you feel? So the scarf makes me feel completely inhumane. I have no hair out. I feel completely like objectified. Like I have to cover my hair because men cannot hold themselves in. I just don't get how that's a thing. Like if it's a woman's mitzvah and we're doing it because of the men, I don't get it. I'm going to go back to that in a sec. I just want to explain the wig. And then for the wig, I feel the same way, but it feels even more hypocritical because I'm covering my hair with hair. So I'm covering my hair. So that's like the scarf thing where I feel very objectified because I have to cover my hair because my hair could be a turn on for men. But then I'm covering it with sexy, beautiful, long, luscious hair. It doesn't make sense to me, but there's something deep in my core inside of me that is keeping me to do this mitzvah, which is very unlike 
me because I don't do things if I don't want to do them. So maybe I'm doing this out of habit for three years, but it's definitely a really hard mitzvah. And I weirdly know inside that I'm not fully going to keep it for the rest of my life because I don't feel good doing it. So I'm definitely on the search. Let's say I'm in my house, right? And I get a knock on the door and there's a man. So I have to all of a sudden cover my hair because there's a man at my door. So this stranger is coming into my territory and I have to cover my hair in my home for him. So I understand that Judaism would say, but it's a beautiful thing because your hair is considered erva because um, it belongs to you and your husband during intimate times and that's it. But I don't like that answer. It makes me feel very objectified. I hear you. And I, I definitely totally relate. I have a wig company and I started the wig company when I was religious. I started my wig company to feel more empowered. I had really terrible wigs. I felt so ugly and unattractive. And because taking off my wig was not in my radar, religion, wasn't questioning things. And any kind, anytime I had a thought that something was annoying or I didn't like something, I just suppressed it, knocked it down. So it, it never really developed into a cognitive, emotional mm. thought. It was just a thought and it was knocked out somewhere really in my subconscious. The idea of having a wig company came from this place of I had my second baby. I was home from work. I was on maternity leave. I felt really unattractive, overweight, overworked, not feeling my sexiest. I always loved fashion. I always loved the idea of dressing up. And I liked clothing within the, the confines of religion. I liked style and felt like something just didn't connect with my wig situation. So when I started my wig company, it came about through really making me feel more myself and allowing other women in my situation to feel more attractive and more themselves, which is very ironic because like you said, it defeats well, a purpose. I think you were very successful because my first wig compared to my second one and my second one was yours. It definitely made a difference to wear a wig that feels more like your hair, but there's still that underlying That it defeats the purpose. Like it's a wig. It's still a wig. Oh, I was speaking to a woman. She reached out to me. You know, she's having some emotional disconnection in terms of religion and wig and a new marriage, she's unsure of how she feels. And, and she said, if the wig is gonna make me feel hotter, then I'll do it. But if it's not gonna make me feel hotter, I'm not gonna do it. And, and a lot of women feel this way, but then it, it brings the question, what are, what are we doing? What are we talking about? You know, like- for, yeah. I mean, I know a lot of people wanna wear the wig because they look hotter in it, which is, it's not the reason why I don't wanna wear a wig. For me, it's more comfort. It's so excessive to wear a head of hair that's fake on your own head of hair. Right, so it's not about looking better. No, for me, it's feeling comfortable and feeling myself right. raw. There's, and nothing like, like, there's nothing like just being able to throw your hair in a pony. And the thing is that the rabbis are gonna say it's better to wear a wig than no wig at all. So, but my, the thing that worked for me was always that it wasn't about the actual wig, if it's pretty or not prettier, you know, it's not, it, you're not supposed to look less attractive. It's about the spiritual energies that a married woman officially emits. Mm -hmm. And the fact if when her hair is exposed, it brings out these impurities. And obviously these things you can't fact check. You know, if someone, that's what worked right. for me because I wanted to hold on to the fact that I'm doing something for a b better reason than just not to get a guy 
turned on, you know? I feel like we're so unaware and out of tune with ourselves that that explanation is not valid today anymore, unless it's someone that's like super connected with energies, but we're not no, connected. But it's with not them. about being connected, whether or not we're connected or not, it's still, it's still there. Okay. You know, whether or not we're connected to energies, the energy is still there. But you know, the same reason why the Kohanim and the Leviim, I, I believe, I may be wrong, but definitely people in the Beis HaMikdash would shave all of their head from head to toe because of the Tumah that right. uh, would go through the, fol the, the, the follicles, I believe. A lot of what religion is, is to eliminate our sense of self. You know, when we can't sing, when we can't dress the way we want, when we can't eat what we want, when we can't listen to certain music, when we can't put our hair in a pony, those are things that give us freedom, give us a sense of life, yeah. give us a sense of personal freedom. Yeah. Or and even we, expressing yourself. Freedom like of an expression. Like, yeah. And we, we're, we're give, we're take, all those things are taken away from us. So there's a lot of inequalities. And being, yeah. being a very honest truth seeker that you are, it's hard to align with these things that, that don't really make sense unless you're okay with the answer, which is, but that's what you're supposed to do. But that's what you're supposed to do. And I'm definitely not okay with that answer, which is why I don't have a community and I'm very okay with that. And I kind of feel like I created my own community online. And that is my community. People ask me, are you Chabad? I'm not 100% Chabad because I don't believe that everything that they believe in. Um, are you Sephardi? No, not fully. Am I, I'm not any specific thing. I'm just Jewish and I'm very happy with that label. Right. And a lot of people I find when they do bash or question it really just comes from a deep sense of curiosity. You know, when people are suppressed their whole life and they see something that's the opposite of the way they were raised, we're what, specifically when you come from the place that they were raised, it mm -hmm. brings so much hate because I find that it comes from this inner turmoil of themselves of, you know, being curious on the one hand and not being able to actually express it. Yeah, exactly which I feel like exactly it causes so much turmoil inside and they're living with that inside of themselves for the rest of their lives, just for the sake of pleasing other people and pleasing their communities. And for the sake of fitting in, that's not what we're here for. The purpose of life is not to fit into a community or fit into a social circle. It's right. to be ourselves and to fully express ourselves to our fullest potential. And that is going to require cutting out friends that are not good for you, leaving certain communal standards that are not good for you. And yeah, it's going to hurt. It's not going to be fun, easy, or comfortable. But if that's what following and doing your fullest potential means, then that's what you got to do. Absolutely. And I think that it's so important because any person in the secular world, even if they grow up without religion, it's a journey to be mm -hmm. able to live their true self. It's a yeah. real journey to go out of the bounds of societal norms, uh, familiar norms, you know, whatever culture they're raised in, whether it's to get a degree in a certain field, whether it's to, to do certain things, to be a certain way, to be straight, to be gay, to, mm -hmm. to be not religious, whatever it is, connecting to our authentic soul, to our core identity is a huge job just mm -hmm. in terms of disappointing the people around us. Now, yeah. if you are raised in a very hardcore religious environment, you not only are facing disappointing the people in your life and the community that you're part of, you are going against God himself. 
You know, you're mm-hmm. raised with this constant underlying theme that everything we do is for God. And you can't even really question because everything is for God. The idea of the question itself, a lot of times, is against God. So you're kind of stuck in this guilt and shame, and you can't move. We're told that Judaism, we can ask any question, but really we're limited as to what we can question and as to what answers we can receive. I think truly we could ask any questions we want. But the problem is that when they give you an answer and you don't like it, you have no option there. So technically that's not really freedom of asking. Freedom of asking means that if you don't like the answer, you don't take the action Mm -hmm. or that your action reflects whatever you decide. That's real freedom in asking. Right. But the idea of if you ask and you don't like the answer and then you don't wake up to David or you don't go to mikvah or you don't wear a wig, if that is the result of you asking, then then no, then you, you'll be cut off. You won't be part of the community. Your kids won't be part of the school. Right. Even if you're not officially cut off, you're like mentally cut off. Even if they consciously pretend not to cut you off, they subconsciously cut you off. Some people won't even eat at certain people's homes where the wife doesn't cover her hair. Absolutely. And I think that a lot of this is changing because people are having a lot more conversation. But I think the point here that I think is very necessary to reiterate is that there are so many religious people doing the same things that public not religious people do like mm-hmm. wear bikinis on the beach don't cover their hair with a wig or or any kind of head covering on the beach eat out in not kosher restaurants and eat dairy go to clubs, get high on drugs or alcohol do all the stuff that other people do too mm-hmm. but they just hide it and so it becomes criminal it becomes secretive it becomes something to be ashamed about mm-hmm. so my question is Why are we hiding it? If we are all challenged with it, so maybe we should be public about our challenges so that we could either find a way to include all those that are challenged and also that it shouldn't feel criminal. Well, I think it boils down to fear. People are just scared of fully expressing themselves because they fear what other people will think of them. I think that's what it boils down to. Yeah, people, people are afraid. If you're doing something wrong, do it in private. Don't do it in public because, first of all, you don't want to influence people. And mm. you know, because you're doing something wrong doesn't mean that you, you need to be public about it. And to me, that is such a faulty concept. This is life. I'm not doing anything wrong. These are my choices. Maybe something is considered wrong according to the rules and regulations, but that's not wrong. You know, it's like as soon as I started talking about my beliefs in terms of religion, I got a lot of pushback of people telling me, you know, do whatever you want, believe whatever you want. I'm not telling you how to be, but don't go around spreading this message influencing other people not to be religious. And I said, that's where you are wrong. If I thought that this was wrong, if I'm just rebelling and going crazy, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be sharing it and I probably wouldn't be doing what I'm doing or or I wouldn't even be aware that I'm doing something worthy of publicizing. But Mm -hmm. the fact if I'm sharing it, it's because I wholeheartedly believe in it. Yeah, and I feel like this is unraveling your true potential right now. That's what you're doing. You're on your journey to your true potential and I think anyone who's really authentic with themselves can, can recognize that. And the people that are just telling you not to spread that, they're not your people. It's kind of like what you were telling me yesterday. If you have to sacrifice for your community and your social circle, then you're in the wrong place. Yeah, absolutely. But the people that were telling me that, to me, they're missing the point in the sense of they're not, they don't mean harm. They are in the mind that 
Torah with all its rules and regulations is the absolute truth. And anyone that veers off of it is doing something wrong. And therefore, do whatever you're doing in private because you don't want to influence other people. That is not my position at all. My position is Torah is one approach. Mm-hmm. And if you choose to live a Torah life, don't go into denial that you're not going to have challenges. You are right. going to have challenges. And instead of pretending like you don't and suppressing it and living with guilt and shame and doing it in private, bring it out in the open so that we could all learn from your challenges so that we could all talk about the challenges because as life goes on as we 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 go into our future we're going to have more challenges that maybe the torah doesn't address because the torah was written so many years ago you know we glorify the past our exceptional times in history when we saw open miracles but what about the future? What about all the mm-hmm. new obstacles we're going to be facing in our future mm-hmm. as we become like a, a multi-planetarian universe? Who's yeah, and be, what about the present? Before the future, let's focus on the <laughs> present. Let's see what community, like what are the problems that our communities are facing today in 2020? What's going on in the depths of the hearts of people? What are the challenges? Why is hair covering such a topic that so many people suffer of? Like, what is it? What is it about? our community, our society, Judaism, have we not updated something? Maybe there needs to be an update. Halacha is constantly being remade. But what's going on with certain things that are kept from like way back when that we didn't upgrade? We've upgraded so many things, but certain things are still not upgraded. You know, it's a lot interesting. Of it, a lot of it is patriarchal. I mean, it's all written by men. And yeah. that's the bottom line. Yeah, that's my biggest problem that men write about, the mikvah. And if you bleed on your underwear and the color is questionably red, it could be brown or a tinge of pink, you have to bring it to a male rabbi. How is it appropriate to bring your lace underwear to a male rabbi why is a woman not able to make the judgment right why trust, isn't a woman don't trust the woman to make her own judgment right and i have heard of women who have wanted to become a bodeket and very few like acknowledge them and i've also heard of women wanting to be ordained smicha orthodox in the orthodox world and like a few people a few women got ordained smicha but they're not recognized by everyone in the orthodox world Yet yeah, they work their butts off studying and learning smicha, but they're not recognized the question is why. as rabbi. Why? That's the question. It's very interesting. I'm not sure because we learn of Miriam Hanavia, right? She was a prophetess and her name is mentioned. And there's so many other females where their names are mentioned. But why today? Why, why are they being shut down today? I don't know. It's a, a good question. There's a lot of fear. A lot of fear. And it's very sexist. It's a very sexist environment. When I talk about the future, I would say I meant what I, what I mean is that we're so focused on the past and also focused on the future, on the present, in the sense of like, you know, our little, our little community and, and to maintain and to preserve and to, we're, 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 we're kind of like in this fear-based mentality. Mm-hmm. Whereas if we would just hone out a little bit and focus on the future of, of our goals, our aspirations, of what we could be doing with our genius, with our intellect, with our ability, with our potential, then we would see that these little nuances of shaitel here, bikini there would be so... They won't matter anymore. Yeah, so totally. They're details. Details to a much, much bigger picture. Yeah, and it's really what we choose to focus on. We could choose to focus on that and get not stuck in, a, in the but not in, No, but I don't mean that it, 
What I'm saying is that I don't mean that, oh, it's not a big deal to wear shaitl, just wear shaitl. The opposite. Because I used to fall into that trap where, you know, my parents would be like, what's the big deal? Just put on a skirt. What's the big deal? Just put on a shaitl. Like, why are you making a big deal? It's a very big deal. It's part of your identity. How you look is how you feel. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. How you look is how you feel. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. There's, that's a very big loaded loaded statement how you look is how you feel because there's so many different ways to cover the hair and each way makes you feel a certain way also yeah which but, is how we learned it in school you know like if you're gonna wear a gown you're already gonna feel festive you're gonna put on jeans you're gonna your body is gonna feel a lot more casual you and you should be allowed dress. to feel casual. yeah and so I'm, your clothing at 100 percent impacts your mood yeah you but we're, we're told like oh, we're supposed to feel like a bossy swirl, so we're supposed to wear this and this and this, and we're given this, like, unspoken uniform. We're given a uniform for society. And yet we're told, this makes you feel this way, this makes you feel this way, but what if we want, we, what if we don't want to feel that way? What if we want to feel casual and sporty? Also, I always want yeah, to feel sporty. It, the clothing had such a profound impact on my personality to such a crazy degree. I completely transformed my personality simply based on my clothing. I always used to wear stockings and skirts and flowy and shirts and all of that stuff. And my personality was re reflected that. Now I'm totally. such a tomboy in spirit, you know, jeans, I'm so casual, but that's mm -hmm. really what feels the most comfortable for me. Yeah. And same here. I've always been so casual and it's still a little hard with wearing skirts, but I, I do it and I make it work. Wow. I just want to share one experience that happened to me last night, actually. And this is very personal for the Orthodox Jewish world. It's something that's not usually shared, um, but I'm feeling it. So I went to the mikvah last night and um, that's not something you should, you share in like these Orthodox circles. And I walked in and usually I have no issue going to the mikvah. I go in, you know, happy. And I walked in and I just got like a negative or like the second I walked in, I'm like, I don't know what it was. Okay. I, I then I, I walk into the room, I lock myself and I, you know, I get undressed, get prepared to walk into the ritual bath, the mikvah. And as I'm waiting for my turn, I hear the mikvah lady. She's with another, she's with another woman and the woman's going under and the mikvah lady's going kosher. And the, uh, the woman dips again and the mikvah lady says kosher. And as she's saying that, in my mind, I'm thinking, wow, what's going on here? We're going to a public slash private bathhouse, dunking ourselves in rainwater and becoming kosher by a woman verbally saying the word kosher. She's going to give me permission to have sex with my husband tonight. I don't know. Something just didn't sit well with me. I still need to dive into what happened, but I just felt such authority and control. And I felt almost like stripped from my, I don't know what the word is, but very, I walked away. Like I cried. I was like, something felt very fake in there. Something felt very wrong in there. And I walked away and I just did not have a positive experience. It's so, it's so interesting because as you're saying the story, I was reminded and put back in that Place. You know, I haven't been to a mikvah probably over three years, definitely over three years. And it's interesting because the mikvah experience for me was always when I was religious, you know, when I believed all that. So as you're saying the story, I'm transferred into that brain, like the Zelda brain that was religious. And a part of me is like, yeah, but this is 
you know, I'm defending, I'm defending the actions, I'm defending the rules, and I'm telling my telling myself in your head, and while you're saying the story, I'm like telling you in my head, yeah, but this is the way it's supposed to be. This is written. This is the halakha. This is the one of the biggest mitzvahs. This is how we're supposed to do. Don't question. Don't question. And that's how I used to live my life. I was completely nullified to the overall process and you know having Kabbalah. And what, what about your emotion? It didn't matter. There was a disconnect between me and what I was doing. Unless you really, really feel and believe and are completely enamored by the whole ritual and the whole religious ideology, there is no way that you would not feel like that is objectifying and inferior and just a very uncomfortable experience. I'm definitely not going with the flow. And after last night, I'm going to have to do a lot more research about mikvah because once again, this is something that the woman has to do and the male doesn't. And I just feel like when a couple gets married, the man does not have to do anything. The woman has to wear a ring, has to wear a wig, has to keep Nita, gets her period, um, has to go to the mikvah. She has so many more duties than the, than the man. And I just really feel that that's really unfair. And I just... Yeah. A little bit. I don't want to resent Judaism, but I'm going to if if that's what I keep seeing and feeling. So I'm definitely going to do more searches whenever I come across these things in my life, which I do very often because I'm very in tune with how I feel. And if I feel weird after an experience, I question the experience. It could have very well be that the McFa lady was a little bit obnoxious. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to dive into the experience and see what happened. I'm, I'm definitely not just going to blindly go again. I'm going to question. I, I will say that there are some women that feel very different with mikvah, and it really also depends on every individual story. You know, like there are some women that feel like that's when they get their husband completely, and he's totally in, in touch and in tune and sensitive and gentle, and the mikvah is this just a beautiful time for her to relax and not be with the kids and you know, some people don't think about the details and what they all mean, and they just kind of accept certain rules. If you're religious, you just do, even if there's no reason, you know, why we can't right. wear linen and wool together, or why, right. you know, kosher. There's not necessarily any good explanation other than that's what God wants. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's obviously more to that than that's what God wants, because I remember listening to a podcast on marriage, a secular podcast, a non-Jewish one, and, um, the therapist, it was a therapist speaking and she was saying how it's healthy for the couple to separate for two weeks and then get back together for two weeks. And I thought, hey, that's really funny. That's what we have in Judaism. Um, but this whole mikvah process and it being so meticulous with the woman having to check every single day. I think the separation is healthy just because nobody likes what's so easily accessible all the time. It loses a little bit of its value. But yeah, so I definitely think it's healthy, but I think like the harchakos, like the extremities of the separation kind of cause so much suppression that like you don't want it in the end. When it comes to any kind of rule or regulation, these rules and regulations should never be put on you. You know, not two right. weeks here, two weeks there would never feel comfortable for me. I'm saying not in terms of religion, in terms of let's create this Anything. place two weeks. Because it's like, it's not natural. Like yeah. to me, real natural separation is when two individuals have an amazing life, they have an amazing individual purpose, they're extremely in love with their life, and by default, they're going to be busy with their individual lives, and when they come together, it's gonna to be very exciting, because they're not always together, because they have very busy lives. And to me, that's a natural way 
of being excited to be together. Yes. It has to come naturally and from honestly, within. What I feel is that these rules came from this concept for men, you know, mm -hmm. men being with a woman was easy. The men were less available than the woman. But I do want to say something about Judaism as a whole. I feel like the Torah definitely has its beauty to it and its depth, and it really enriches an individual's life with meaning. But as you just mentioned, it has to come from within. And if it doesn't come from within, like I genuinely want to perform this mitzvah, then it's ugly and it's fake. And it's not a real connection to God because at the end of the day, God gave us this so we can connect to him. But if we're doing it for the sake of our community and what are they gonna think? You're not actually connecting. With that fake connection, you end up controlling other people into a fake connection because you are unsettled. So anybody else that is unsettled threatens you. Mm -hmm. So it becomes an endless stream of fakeness. Anyone authentic can feel that. Yeah. yeah. Nothing can stop a person if they really want something. Exactly. Ay, ay, ay. So much, Sarah. This was Thanks. so informative, so special. It's always amazing to talk to you. It was so nice, Zelda. Thank you. I'm Looking so forward to next time. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Oh My God with Zelda Volkov. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please make sure to leave a review, share it with your friends, and subscribe so that you don't miss next week's episode. Tune in next week for another interview with another badass boss.